In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com and get up to 15% off your first purchase as a member with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for up to 15% off your first purchase as a member. Betches Media presents... I would like to speak to America's men for one minute. That slacker barista. I start getting full of emotion. Now we're going to build this new bridge here. Can I provide a definition? Mm-hmm. No, I can't. Betches Up Podcast. Like, how are people surviving? Hello, I'm Amanda Duberman, and this is the Betches Up Podcast, where C-SPAN meets the group chat to help you process and laugh at the biggest topics in U.S. news and politics. And today I'm here with with the OG queen of laughing at the biggest topics in U.S. news and politics. I'm here with Liz Winstead. She is, of course, the co-creator of The Daily Show and Abortion Access Front and hosts the Feminist Buzzkill Live podcast. Thank you so much for being with us on this on this dreary Friday. Are you in Brooklyn or are you in Minnesota right now? I am in Minnesota. I split my time and I'm a weirdo who loves winter. So I spend my I winter in Minnesota. All right. I have some questions. I hope you have a therapist <laughs> so, to discuss that with. So many. <laughs> uh, well, you know what? I want to start, you know, just really timely, jump right into it, Liz. Is there any kitchen appliance you are as loyal to that you would ride as hard for as Republicans do for gas stoves? Well, I don't know about you, but I have chained myself to my gas stove because the uh, jackbooted thugs, uh, AOC <laughs> and Ilhan Omar, mm-hmm. I I can hear them. Ilhan is my congressional representative. So, you know, I know that um, when she is prioritizing the plans for her constituents, mm-hmm. coming in and yanking uh, my gas stove is one. And I'm just going to say right now, Ilhan Omar, you can have my gas stove when you pry it from my cold dead hands. <laughs> I mean, in cold and dead, you might be because apparently they are leaking gas into our into our. Of course, what what we're referring to is that Republicans have lost their ever loving shit this week because just like some guy in the Consumer Protection Agency was like, maybe it'd be a good idea to consider in the future whether new homes should have these because they might cause childhood asthma. Nobody told Jim Jordan that he couldn't have a gas stove. Nobody told Ron DeSantis that he could not have a gas stove. And it is so interesting because we posted something about it yesterday. It's something silly. And a lot of, you know, earnest liberals also were like, is Biden coming for my gas stove? And we're like, no, 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 no. I fear these people have had the Barbra Streisand effect on uh, on the gas stove. A hundred percent. And, you know, listen up, people. You got your gas stove. You're doing great. Like, it's not, it's like, I'm simply gobsmacked always at how people will even refuse to take themselves through a logic check, right? Absolutely. So it's like, I'm. they just told me that A plus two equals apples. And I was like, well, those aren't even, <laughs> right. the, that's not even the way things go. <laughs> like, yes. That's not even a, a way. We simply can't have apples. <laughs> or oranges or math Absolutely or, or no. facts. Yeah. So no one worry. Your gas stove is fine. Um, Also reevaluate though. Like if somebody says, you know, historically we've had a lot of stuff that have been terrible. Mm -hmm. Um, I would point to um, cigarettes. (laughs) 
which were in the zeitgeist for a really long time. And then somebody said, hey, maybe we shouldn't smoke. Oddly, something that terrible in our world was never taken away. At first, there was a cartoon camel that promoted it. And then there's a warning on the side of the pack. So um, we don't even take the most horrifying things in our society away. So (laughs) rest assured, your gas stove is safe. So you, you can, can just continue, continue making your unseasoned, have a nice time. your unseasoned just soups on your go gas for stove. It. You just do that. <laughs> so I want to talk to you about a few things today. Mainly, you know, your approach to commentating on the news and your decades-long work raising awareness for assault on reproductive rights that have culminated, of course, in the overturning of Roe versus Wade. And then just get, you know, more of your takes on recent news stories. So, you know, you are when I when I say the word voracious consumer of news, I feel like Liz Winstead <laughs> appears, like truly defines voracious. I am so curious, what is your news diet? What does Liz Winstead do to get the to get informed on a day-to-day basis? Take us through your sort of like the practical and emotional journey of reading the news for you or absorbing so, it. Uh I'm gonna preface this by saying don't try this at home because <laughs> um it I have also mechanisms just for like triggers and things like that also. Mm. So don't, it's like, I just think it's important to a, first of all, whoever you are listening to this, assess what you can take in and understand like what things really affect you. Um, When you reach my age, all the fucks are gone and I have processed every harm. So I am good. (laughs) So having said that. (laughs) My oxygen mask is on. (laughs) It's all the time right? My oxygen mask, my diaper, like I got a lot going on. (laughs) So uh, I think what I do is I look at, I read the the New York Times and the Washington Post. And when I, when I scour the stories in, in the, in the major spaces, I really stop. First of all, if it's a story that they're reporting on that happened in a town, I immediately go to Mm. the paper in that town. And then I go to the alt weekly if they have one in that town and sort of do that. And then I will see if there is a story on public radio or if they have a Pacifica station in that town. Mm. So I get like the, the general overview and then any name I never heard of, I make sure that I, I look up that name so that I can see where else those shenanigans are happening? Mm-hmm. For the most part, if there's a shenaniganer, one who performs shenanigans, uh, doing some business that is wrong, whether it's uh, some CRT garbage, whether it's some anti-LGBTQ, anti-trans, anti-any of that stuff, mm-hmm. there's always a link. The hate is always intersectional, right? And Absolutely. same with abortion. I'll look and I'll say, and then what's awesome is, being the work that I do, I'll contact my pals who are working primarily in one of those spaces and say, hey, this anti-abortion hate monger is also super uh, prevalent in your world. I don't know if you know them, but they're mostly associated with this issue, but turns out they're influential in your issue. So just giving you a heads up. So I, um, I, I, I do it that way. And then I also follow trends and keep a document of, oh, this bill and this bill and this bill sound mm-hmm. exactly the same. Who's writing these bills? Mm. Right. And then mm-hmm. I will kind of do a backtrack on, oh, look, it's the Americans United for Life, this shitty ass think tank in DC that writes 
you know, this sort of model legislation and then gives it to the worst of the worst in all these state legislatures. And then they mm-hmm. keep proposing the same law to the point where some of these assholes don't even change the name of nope. the state. They forget. So mm-hmm. it's kind of incredible. So, yeah. you know, I just, I follow a little bit of a path and it yeah. also keeps me um, interested and excited because I'm somebody who loves doing the research and loves discovering, you know, who's at the heart of this so that we can really, um, pinpoint hard mm-hmm. who the folks are and expose them. Totally. And like a lot of times that person, not all the time, but sometimes that person is some idiot who hasn't been primaried or even challenged in their district for decades. And sometimes it just takes like amplifying that. Hey, American Fever Dream listeners, I'm here to tell you that there is no reason to panic the next time you're searching for the perfect gift. Because now you can use gift mode on Etsy. Gift Mode on Etsy is here to take the stress out of gifting so you can find the perfect item for anyone for any occasion. And it's easy. You just tap or click Gift Mode in your Etsy app or Etsy.com and then answer a few questions about who you're shopping for and what they like. And Gift Mode instantly gives you a curated gift idea list based on hundreds of personas. Now it is simple to find gifts made by independent sellers for all the people in your life. So whether you need a Mother's Day gift for the quilter or a birthday present for the vintage hunter, there is something for everyone on Etsy. Some of my favorite things to do are go to Etsy gift mode and then search absurd things like what kind of gifts do you have with Walter Cronkite on them? What kind of gifts do you have for dachshund owners? There's jewelry, ceramic, toys, board games, all kinds of fun stuff. A gifting moment is always right around the corner, whether it's a birthday, an anniversary, a holiday, or even just a day to say thank you. Gift mode on Etsy has you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try gift mode on Etsy now. Today's episode of American Fever Dream is brought to you by Newly. Have you ever felt that fast fashion ick, but can't always afford the super high-end stuff? I have a solution for you. It's Newly. Newly has everything you need to bring your closet up to speed for the season without breaking the bank. Free your closet of impulse purchases and skip the buyer's remorse by renting instead. Newly is a subscription rental service, and for just $98 a month, you get your choice of any six styles. They also have inclusive sizing up to 5X, as well as petite and maternity. You get fast, free shipping and returns and professional cleaning and newly state-of-the-art laundering facility. No laundry for you to worry about. This is the best. You just put it back in your box, send it out, and before you know it, you've got your next one. And you always have the option to buy what you love for sometimes up to 75% off. I bought the Rachel Antonoff pasta puffer from them. I was obsessed with it, like everybody who tries it is, and it was completely sold out everywhere else. So I felt like I really, really had an in there. So thank you, Newly. Newly is an amazing value at $98 a month for any six styles. And right now you can get $20 off your first month of Newly when you sign up with the code FeverDream20. Just go to N-U-U-L-Y.com. That's newly with two U's and enter the code FeverDream20 and sign up to get $20 off your first month. That's N-U-U-L-Y.com, newly with two U's with code FeverDream20. Newly subscription clothing rental, change your clothes. Abortion access front specifically, like you guys got to follow, our followers have to make sure they're following because it is the most consistent, up-to-date, prolific update on those like random, like this, this quack in this state is proposing this thing. And, yeah. you know, these are the culminations of all of those little things happening that weren't necessarily amplified enough by sort of like progressive media or people paying attention is kind of like why we got Roe. So can you kind of tell us about abortion access front and what the mission is there and how it's evolved and grown? Totally. So 
Abortion Access Front started um, mostly because I had been working in progressive spaces and trying to use humor to speak truth to power for a long time. And I got to be honest, uh, progressives and Democrats wouldn't talk about abortion and actually would shame me when I would try to prioritize it. And so it started out for me as a way to talk about abortion and try to normalize abortion because we'd been told not to for such a long time that I wanted to give it a platform. And knowing that politics works using humor, I was like, let's do that. So what I we started out making, vid- remember when people used to care about like parody videos? Yes. Not, yeah. you know, Back in those days. <laughs> yes. So we started making parody videos around issues and that was really yeah. good. But then, you know, the landscape changed. And so I wanted to get together people who I knew were great storytellers. So I just gathered my friends who were comedians and editors and filmmakers and graphic designers and, and activists. And we just started forming this volunteer group where we would get together at my house for dinner on Sunday nights. I would make food for about 12 people. And then we would talk about like, how can we do this? And when my book came out, I decided I was going to tour the country and talk to folks who were out of the conversation. You know, it's like every time there was any kind of abortion rights awareness raising, it was rich people having a jillion dollar chicken dinner that like folks who wanted to help who were low income or forget about any BIPOC folks being invited. So I would do cheap ass $10 shows um, and people would come. And then I started touring the clinics and I was like, the clinic said like they were, this is the heartbreaking part. They were so appreciative that I showed up, but also we're like, why are you here? Like no one comes here. We're just, and I, my heart broke. So then I went back to my group who was making these videos and I said, we need to get out on the road because there's dope ass activists in all these towns who need just some people to know they exist so we can help grow their base so they can be giving cool direction. People need to know what's happening at these clinics and these clinics also need support. So Abortion Access Front, one of the things we do is we travel the country in what I call a combination of a USO tour and Habitats for Humanity. Yeah. And we do comedy music shows and incorporate, it's really variety shows because then we incorporate the activists who live in those towns and the clinics, and then they have conversations with an audience. So when you go out on the road and you bring a high profile comic and do a comedy show and you have 300 people in a room, that's activists have a really hard time getting that to tell their story, right? So when we can have fun and provide the platform for the storytelling, um, and then people sign up right in the room with Mm -hmm. the locals, right? Yeah. So then one of the other things that we learn by being on the road is a clinic who is providing care in almost every community, even progressive communities, have a super hard time getting their lawn care, if they have a leaky roof, if their fence is busted, if they need their stuff painted. So we do major works projects at the clinics. You weren't kidding with Habitat for Humanity. (laughs) No. And so, and also understanding that us doing it one time isn't helpful. Mm -hmm. We bring the information of what the clinics need to our audience during that show. 
And so we say, hey, we just repainted their walls, but this clinic needs somebody to come in and do lawn work. Who wants to be that person? And then we connect trusted people um, to do that. And I'll never forget we were in Oklahoma and this man is in the audience flailing his hand. And I was like, I see you have a question. Yes. And he was like, so if I'm hearing you correctly, activism can mean I take on this clinic that provides abortion as a client. They pay me and I'm an activist. And I said, yes, because you parking your van in front of that clinic and saying, I want this client because I believe this client is a productive, amazing member of the community says a lot. Mm -hmm. And so it really opened up, it opens up a lot of folks brains in a new way around what activism is. And so what we have found is when we ask people to just evaluate what you do in your life, like what are your skills and what's some stuff that you can do kind of Mm -hmm. without even thinking about it. Mm -hmm. Um, And we could help apply that to someone who needs the help. Uh, you're not stressing out that you're not doing enough. Um, And so we find that super important. So that's like one piece. (laughs) And then um, the the two other pieces that I'll just say a little faster is um, since we were traveling around the country and and really befriending activists and they were telling us who the anti-abortion monsters were in their communities, um, nobody was documenting and putting those people into any kind of database Mm -hmm. or connecting the folks in Arkansas with the folks in Texas. So we started a small organ, a small group called the Scrappy Coalition, where we took all the information they had of their anti-abortion extremists and formed them into a database and then started tracking them, having fake online accounts where we joined their churches, watch their movements. And so um, as of last year, we have now accumulated the largest anti-abortion database in the nation. That's incredible. And on January 6th, we busted 30 anti-abortion extremists and reported them to the FBI. And just this year, we, through our uh, research and through our documenting of filming them outside of clinics, we got 11 people charged on federal charges who are probably going to go to jail for a really long time. So So you guys saw at January 6th, you were like, you all were like, the Scrappy Coalition was like, oh, we know that guy. Yes. So what happened was we were following their Facebook pages because we always do. And we saw rumblings and we saw we're traveling to DC. We're doing this. So we assigned people to track all of the people who said they were going to be there. And before they could pull their shit down, when they saw that they were all of a sudden like treasonous assholes, we pulled all their shit down, screen cap, pull it down, make a folder and do it. And that was really um, astounding. And I so mean, incredible. I know it's not I, called Lady Parts Justice anymore, but talk about, <laughs> talk about Lady Parts Justice. Like right? for, for, for abortion, the thing that people are so scared to talk about to be something that like for, that had a, had a role in taking those guys down. Awesome. So it's really cool. And then when we saw the writing on the wall, because we've been following legislation for a really long time, and yeah. we had been pulling our hair out, knowing that nobody was going to pay attention until Roe actually fell, what we did in the year ahead is that we planned a massive um, organizing tool for people called Operation Save Abortion. Um, and so when the leak happened and we knew DOPS was going to fall, um, we already had in place where we did an online training, an all-day online training that didn't look like a Zoom call. We had a studio and we flew in 25 of the top 
activists from around the country, reproductive justice leaders, people who were leaders in direct action, people who were leaders in abortion funding Mm -hmm. um, on the practical support, which is the travel and everything but the procedure, people who funded procedures, and then people who wanted to just are down to clown and want to do really cool direct stuff and then legislative things. And we had these 45 minute sessions that were really cool studio conversations that look more like, like an Oprah Winfrey type set. Yeah. Um, and we had 10,000 people stream all day. Incredible. And then we took, um, all these emails, we're vetting every single person and then we are matching them up with their communities um, as well as starting an activist calendar. So if you go to operationsaveabortion.com, uh, you can, we divided now the training sessions up into these 45 minute sessions, each have a toolkit. So what we encourage people to do is get some friends together, take time, you know, maybe over the course of three months, you mm-hmm. watch these five things, do the toolkit with it. So you're learning like really what j- gets you all jazzed up. And then you can participate in doing that. And then we have this activist calendar that you can like do whatever you, you can see all the things that are happening each week. Some are local, some are national, but you can learn a whole bunch of stuff and create community. And at your time, when you have mm-hmm. the time, you can say, what can I do? Which is really, really awesome. And then mm-hmm. lastly, we have a podcast that captures all of it every week that no one else is doing it because the mm-hmm. media just doesn't cover this issue consistently. And because they haven't, they're not experts. They're really bad at reporting. So we have the people on the ground, the the, the activists, the providers, the do people doing the research. And we're funny. You know, we're sort of mm-hmm. like betches, but focused on abortion. You know, mm-hmm. we're just like down with all of it. And then we always give you something to do that's fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of us in a nutshell. That was a whole lot. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, I know our listeners are like probably like nodding aggressively trying to think of ways to get involved because I mean, I think I, what I've heard from a lot of people is that they feel insecure that they don't know how to get involved and and how to help with with promoting abortion rights in their area or abortion access. And it's like, it's okay. Kind of nobody does. We haven't lost a right like this before. So the way that yeah. you're making it sort of really approachable, accessible, no previous knowledge necessary. As like people listening are like, oh, what? I'm not good at any of the activism skills. It's like there's something that you're good at yeah. that has that has a need here. And, and what's like, so cool is, um, first of all, the reason you don't know is not your fault. I'm going to tell you that right exactly. now because we don't. Exactly. We have people who brilliantly fund abortion. We have people who brilliantly provide abortion, but policy people. But we we lost a movement, right? We lost that like connection, like regular folks being able to say, how do I Mm -hmm. voice what I do more than just march? So you were let down. So we're trying to bring that back. But also, we, Mm -hmm. um, and I'm just going to say max at aafront.org. I'm going to give you her email. Max is our programs director and Max's literal lifeblood is having somebody say, I don't know where to start. Mm -hmm. What can you do? And Max will connect with you. That's amazing. And say, like, ask you about you mm-hmm. and then help you understand where you can fit in. Because to me, that shit is so important. I never want anyone to feel like I I don't I don't have the skills. Because if you're a human breathing and you care, we want to make sure that you get to fulfill on your time frame, on your schedule, what your capacities are to do that. Like Listen, that's somebody like, dumber and less skillful than you helped get abortion banned. So yes, we can exactly. do it. <laughs> <laughs> boom, that is so it's true. It's fine. We can do it. We can do it. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. That is amazing that even after Roe, just the there's no the strength of local news has deteriorated so much. And you're right, the national media doesn't know how to cover these local things. It seemed like immediately after Dobbs, they were really good at being like this in this state and this in that state. But um, it kind of can all run together and people feel like they get to a point of diminishing like understanding of it. But what's great about you guys are constantly highlighting it. It's like it's getting worse in some areas. It's just going to keep getting worse. And the thing that's so frustrating about it is, as we saw in the elections, when you put it to the vote of the people, exactly, they're like, we want to preserve access to abortion. And I'm talking about Kansas and Kentucky and states and ever, you know, everywhere. Like it is, it polls better than politicians. It polls better than anything. And so, the fact that the local news is practically gone and won't talk about it. The fact that the national news is derelict in its duty, um, and the fact that it's a priority for people, yeah, and hasn't been, you know, means that we need to um, really step up. And we're doing this is kind of fun. So we are doing this really cool thing on Friday, January twentieth, and it requires not a lot from you, but it requires some fun secrecy because it's a sort of a thing that we're doing that we a bunch of people across the country are doing. Um, if you're interested in doing this secret thing I'm telling you about, you don't have to leave your house. It requires one phone call. Um, email Kristen, K-R-I-S-T-I-N at aafront.org and Kristen will send you the toolkit. Okay. It's I will be emailing be, her. <laughs> oh my God. It's, it's really, really cool. Kristen and, with an I or an E? Kristen with an I. Okay. Um, and it's um it's it's the anniversary of Roe v. Wade is on a Sunday this year. That's right. So the 22nd. It, yeah. It, it, so we're doing an action on the twentieth that um raises awareness and also calls out um several, if not as many of the people as possible, who have been proposing these terrible bans mm-hmm. and who took away this right. So it's a super fun action. That you can do from your house in your jam. I will be emailing Kristen and finding a way to blow that out because we have that yes. big on our calendar. The anniversary, yes. we're like, we got it. We got to do. We got to yes. do something there. And yeah. you can do it. And the thing is, you can you can participate in it between now and the twentieth. Mm-hmm. But but you'll be posting it on your social, and you'll post it on your social on the twentieth. So it's a little secret action you'll do, and then you'll post it on your what social. A fun treat. 
Yes. <laughs> so fun. So, you know, speaking, you mentioned your podcast and we've been talking about how it keeps people really up to date with what's actually going on in the abortion landscape. And, you know, most of this issue is really state by state. But, you know, nationally Republicans, they're 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 up to some nonsense. They introduced a pair of abortion rights restrictions in the House this week. And they're sort of um you know, it's sort of like remixed, you know, they're not just they're not just your pure abortion bans. They're sort of two um issues that are not tangential, they're directly related, but they like to manipulate a lot. The first one uh, is that they approved a bill that would compel doctors to provide care for an infant who survives an attempted abortion. This is very rare. I believe what this refers to generally is like when you are ending a pregnancy and there are situations where you need to end an infant or fetus's life humanely or let them go humanely. And this would basically get in the way of that is my understanding. I think Republicans know this is a thing that nobody wants to talk about and that is tricky to talk about and has a lot of layers in terms of like emotion around it. And if it's a child or a fetus or an infant and they, they love that and they're making a, they're creating a solution for a problem that doesn't exist and creating a problem. And I will tell you that, um, Third trimester abortions, when they happen rarely, um, the way that they happen, and this is just facts, is that you you in utero stop the heart beating before you conduct the termination. So there is no anything, nothing is ever being born alive. It is humanely, um, the, the, the life is stopped within the womb and then they extract the pregnancy from the person's body. It happens so rarely, but that is just a fact. When they talk about this born alive stuff also, and this is the cruelty that I really um, feel so angry about, Mm -hmm. is part of what they're talking about here also is if if you are in delivery, right, and it turns out that you're not going to deliver a baby that is going to live much longer Mm -hmm. outside of the womb, palliative care is given. Not And so they're treating comforting a fetus for three hours because it will not live as some kind of cruel, horrible thing. And instead, insisting that medical intervention that is often not covered under insurance will not save the life of an infant that is born and does not have the capacity for life. Um, It is a form of torturing people and torturing that born, that born child, whether if it can only live for a, a, a few hours, you are forcing people to not, keep it comfortable, but or rather- Or be with them. Even be, with, be them. with them. I mean, the people that we know that have had stillborns or miscarriages, I mean, the, the, that period that they're able to spend with them yes. without them poke up to anything is everything. Yes. And the idea that that would be taken away. Yeah. Oh, oh it and, gives me And just push pr- promoted with such cruelty. Because one thing I do want to yes. say before we move on to the other stupid fucking thing yeah. is- This process that we have seen in the erosion of reproductive rights um, has has been calculated and developed. You know, when Mm -hmm. we started having um, waiting periods 
for abortion. That was the first step because what that was saying is we do not trust people. I'm going to say women when I when I don't mean all, it's not all women that are pregnant, but in the mind's eye of a Republican, yeah. it's women that get pregnant, right? So um, we don't trust women to make good decisions. So we have to make them wait, right? You add to that things like the Born Alive Act, where all of a sudden women are incompetent, you know, so we have to have those waiting periods. Mm-hmm. But also then we are bloodthirsty and cruel. So yeah. when you yeah. start creating societal norms that women are incompetent and bloodthirsty, it gives these people an opportunity to dehumanize us and look what's happening, how they're regulating our bodies and how and their entitlement to do that is because they are trying desperately to make us seem like we are sociopathically mm-hmm. horrible and, and can't be contained. And that's right. really scary. Right. Yes. There is no, there is no point at there's absolutely no point in a pregnancy where women have the moral authority to determine what is right. best for their body right. at, at all. And they're just right. gonna continue to create, to create opportunities to, yes. to convey that. Yeah. The other story that relates to women's choices about their bodies, but still in a consequential way, is a story this week. Missouri Republicans, because I know you guys are always, always capturing dispatches from the Midwest. Missouri Republicans, they spent their first day adopting stricter a stricter house dress code, but just for women. So Missouri voters, the elected representatives whose salaries that you pay use their opening session to tighten the dress code for female legislators. So we have a video of some of these exchanges on our on our Instagram right now. A female lawmaker led this effort, which is interesting. Uh, she wanted to require women to wear blazers. It seems like she was pressed that like too many people were wearing cardigans, and she thinks that you should have to wear a jacket. So you had lawmakers arguing with each other on the House floor about over, you know, basically the language was going to change where they wanted to keep it as jackets. But women were like, but we, you got to let us wear like sweaters. And they were just quarreling over the number of buttons. But the point that women were making is that like, why is it up to you what our professional dress is? And why are we, you know, spending, spending time uh, doing this? And at one point, the, the GOP woman who proposed it was like, you're right, it is ridiculous. I don't understand why women can't just dress, dress professionally. But is this like something silly? Or is this part of the broader issue of policing, frankly, women's bodies and the choices they make? Not only policing women's bodies, but deciding that the uniform of the patriarchy <laughs> is the uniform that we wear. Right. I'm sorry, Zelensky wears a sweatshirt every day. More harm has been done by people in jackets. Absolutely. The than, most. Than any other outfit. Also, <laughs> the guy that takes your ticket at the movie theater is wearing a jacket. Like, what are, you know, barbershop quartets wear jackets. Like, what mm-hmm. are you talking about? What ja- What is this, right? And it's also Missouri... Get your shit together. Missouri has Do something else. Was you know one of the first states to only have one clinic. One of the first states that proposed we're we're going to ban people from traveling outside of our state to access care, which is wholly unconstitutional. Mm-hmm. Also, this guy named Mike Moon, who's in the Missouri state. See, you got me in the weeds. Yeah, yeah. Missouri state legislature, Please. bonker, but about a bit, a bit, a bit, proposed a ban on abortion while. He was uh, disemboweling a chicken because he runs a poultry farm. You can find the video on YouTube. Mike Moon, (sighs) poultry. Feel feel free to to, trigger warning. 
poultry that abortion video card. Oh no, no, no. But like poultry, um, it is poultry abortion bingo is not the oh, funnest bingo. Beautiful. Okay. Yeah. So um, they are so full of. I mean, and of course, you know, Josh Hawley, and mm-hmm. now they've just elected this horrible Eric Greitens as well. Right. And Todd Aiken was from there, the one who said that you know women have the capacity to apparently shut shut rape sperm down to yes, not get yes. pregnant. The body has a way. I mean, if the body had a way to shut sperm down uh, or turn it into something else, we would turn it into scotch or yeah, chocolate we sauce. Have. So pl- <laughs> let me just be clear: if we had those abilities, ranch yeah. dressing would be Did probably we have number one. A. W. Bush, if we could just turn the sperm into something I different. Mean, no. Yes, wouldn't we be making a lot of other choices? Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, we could make better. They they don't trust our decisions, Liz. No. Yeah, And they're scared that we have secret powers that we don't have <laughs> that we desperately wish we did. Right, 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 right. Oh, God. God, yeah. Missouri is, <laughs> Missouri is up to up to a lot. That's all the time we have. I mean, thank you so oh. much for sharing so much about abortion accents, friend. We will definitely be in touch. That sounds incredible. And I know our team wants, like, uh, all of our audience wants specific ways to be engaged that feel, um, you know, this topic is heavy. But yeah. if we're going to be involved in it on a long-term basis, which is unfortunately what is required, then it's got to be there's got to be, you know, a comedic gateway. So using comedy 100%. as a gateway drug to abortion activism, we're all about it. Yeah. And if there just needs to be a gateway that is really recognizing your capacity. And that's exactly. like something that I really want to stress to folks is like, we don't, don't, when you see someone like me who's tirelessly doing it, mm-hmm. that's because somebody needs to be tirelessly doing it. And that person's me. Exactly. And then the rest of you can come in and out and I love you for it. And every totally. little tiny thing you do matters. Perfect. Until the end of Democracy, I'm Amanda Duberman, and this is the Betchester Podcast. Bye. The Betchester Podcast is produced by Amanda Duberman, Sean Kilby, Jorge Morales-Pico, and Rebecca Sousmacat. Editing by Rebecca Sousmacat. Social media by Amanda Duberman and Bridget Swartz. Be sure to follow at Betches underscore sup on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And send us your emails at suppod at betches.com. Betches.